Well, what a great start to the day, right? It's good to be back, and uh, let me start by saying, if you would, reach into your bulletin, grab your study guide, take it out, feel free to to grab a uh, clipboard and a pen from the book rack in front of you. But while you're looking for that, let me just say uh, how much I appreciate those who filled in for me while I was gone, for Paul Dockery, Jess Curley, Mark Gage. I appreciate very much what you did. I wish that our youth department was here. They're off on super awesome weekend. Uh, 30 of our kids are there, and uh, I hate that they're not here to hear this, but I have heard so many incredible comments about last Sunday uh, from people who talking about Sunday school classes, talking about them being ushers and greeters and tech people and uh, musicians and singers and Parker speaking. And uh, what a blessing it is to know that the future of Mile Straight Baptist Church looks really bright. It's exciting, very exciting. And uh, I'll try to tell them as well this week. We hope to have, of course, Jason was. With me, we were together on the trip in Mexico this past week, along with a couple of others in here. And uh, so he wasn't able to get last week's service online, but we hope to have that up this week so that you can go back and watch your kids. We know that uh, gives you a great deal of pleasure. You can watch your kids, watch your grandkids, and, and just get a lot of enjoyment out of that. Today, we are focusing our attention on Psalm 8411. And we're going to see in this verse that God is promising something truly amazing. And uh, in this particular concept, what I want us to do is I want us to look for who it is that's being blessed. Because there's the ability for us to say, well, it's for everybody. You know, we can put a broadband out and say, this is just... For everybody. Or we can narrow the scope a little bit and say, well, maybe it's just for Christians. Or we can narrow it even further. But what I want us to do is get really personal with it. And I want us to see if we're included in this incredible blessing from God. And we're going to tackle that right off. And then we're going to build the concept as we go. And I think the best way, as I, as I thought about this throughout uh, my time in Mexico and uh, uh, and then over the past few days that I've been home, I, as I thought about it, I thought the best way to approach the subject is to simply ask a series of questions to bring us to some very good answers regarding this verse. And what we're going to find is that this verse is packed full of really good information. And uh, one thing I also want to do is I want to work in a, an unconventional way through this verse. I want to work backwards through the verse. I want to start at the end of the verse and work our way back to the top. Uh, so hang with me as we make our way through the different concepts. Here in this verse we find Psalm 84 verse 11. Take a look at your study guide or your Bible, whichever you have available. You'll find the verse listed for you on the study guide. David writes this. He says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Okay, so let's just jump straight into the question. 
Uh, that's, that's foremost in our minds because it's the title of our study. Am I included in this? And let's get right down to it for whom is the information uh, provided? For whom is this information given in this particular verse? Who is it that, the, that uh, David is writing to and giving us this information that's about to follow and say... Here's what's coming for this particular category of people. And what we find right off as we go to the end of the verse, he says it is for those who walk uprightly. The answer then is for those who walk uprightly. Okay, now what's included in those who walk uprightly? Who is it that fits into that category of people? Is that everyone? Well, what we know from the Word of God is that the Bible tells us that we possess the ability to do righteousness, but not of our own accord. That the best I can manufacture on my own is like filthy rags before God. So then what he's telling me is that my righteousness, the best I can hope to accomplish, is not only something God does not want... But it is also something that is disgusting to him. The best I can manufacture is like filthy rags before God. Therefore, for me to walk uprightly, for, for me to accomplish that which God is calling me to accomplish, to walk uprightly, for me to be included in this category of people to whom he is writing this verse, I have to possess something that is bigger than myself. So then for those who are trying to walk their life spiritually on their own, we have to come to the understanding that they are not included in this concept whatsoever. For those who are trying to manufacture righteousness, for those who are trying to walk in an upright manner by themselves, the, because of we've already seen that our righteousness is like filthy rags, we have to come to the conclusion that they are not included in this conversation. And therefore, this broad band that we wanted to cast has to be drastically reduced. Has to be drastically reduced. Now, what is it being reduced to? Okay, to begin with, we're reducing it down to those who are part of the family of God. Why the distinction? Because we know at the moment of salvation, the Spirit of God comes to live within the child of God. The moment of my salvation, I become a child of God. And at that moment also, God's Spirit comes to live within me. And it is the Spirit of God that gives me the ability to walk uprightly. It's not my own ability. It's not my own way of managing my life that accomplishes me walking uprightly. But it is the Spirit of God living in me. So then can we say that everyone who is saved fits into this category? And we would have to say no. So then we've got this broad, broad category that's not accomplished, everyone. But we narrow the scope to say, well then is it every person who's been saved that is part of what God is going to bless us with in this verse? And we have to also then say no. That's not right either. And why would we say that? I think David reveals his heart in what he's writing. David is one who has experienced leaving God's side. I mean, he walked with God for a period of time. 
He was very much in tune with the heart of God. But you may remember that at one particular time in his life, David saw something that he wanted that he knew was outside the will of God. And it was someone else's wife. The Bible says that he had an adulterous affair. But not only that, that was bad enough. But then he went outside to kill the husband of the woman that he'd had the affair with to try and hide what had taken place. And during this time in his life, when he was trying to cover his sin, when he was trying to hide it from everyone else, the Bible was very clear that David was not experiencing the blessings of God. In fact, when when he was finally called out on it, you remember what David prayed? He said, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. In other words, I've lost that. I've been looking for it, I've been longing for it, but I've been distanced from you, and therefore, I want you to restore that which I have lost. Please, God, restore the joy of my salvation. During this time in his life, David was not walking uprightly. He was not walking in a right manner. Therefore, the That which is applicable to those who are would not have been applicable to David during that time of his life. We know it's true. There are those of us who are part of the family of God. And yet for whatever reason, we've chosen to walk apart from God. We've strayed away from the will of God. How do I know the will of God? Well, we talked about that the very first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday of this year. If we know the will of God, partially we can understand it by understanding what's going to give God glory. So I weigh my options. I take steps accordingly. When I weigh the options, I look at what's going to bring God the most glory. And therefore, I understand the will of God. Why? Because I have been created to give God glory. It's the purpose of my life. It's the purpose of our church. And so I take steps accordingly to give God glory in my life. Therefore, walking according to the will of God. But for some reason, there are times when we don't give God glory from our life. In fact, what we do is we stray away from the glory of God. And if you're in the middle of one of those times in your life, then you have to understand that what's coming in this verse, the blessings here are not applicable to you right now. Because he is very clear that it is for those who walk uprightly. The second question now comes in. And it, it gives us a broader understanding. Because it asks the question, what's in consideration here? What is it in your second feeling? What's in consideration in this particular verse? What is it that we're discussing? What is it that's such an incredibly big deal for us in this passage? And the answer then is every good thing. Every good thing. Because what does he say in the verse? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold, which means every good thing is on the line here. For those who are walking uprightly, every good thing is available. Every good thing is on the line, which means that God will give to me everything I need 
for this life. He does not say, I will give to you everything you want in this life. And I'm quite thankful for that. There have been times when I've wanted things in my immaturity that I look back on later and I said, God, thank you. Thank you for not giving me that. What a mess it would have been. But God says, I will give you what you need in this life. Those are the good things that I will provide for you. Not what you necessarily desire, but what you need. I will provide you what you need in this life, and I will prepare you for what you need in the life that is to come. So we're talking about two parts of this, the life here and the life hereafter. That I will give you what you need for the here and now. And I will establish you, prepare you for what is to come in the life hereafter. For those who fail to follow the will of God, when they get into eternal life, I believe that there's going to be something missing. Number one, the rewards that would have been gained by being obedient to the will of God, rewards that we can cast at the feet of Jesus to say thank you, will be missing. And I believe there are other things that will be missing as well. What God is wanting to prepare us for now in eternity later on are things that we will miss out on if we're not in the will of God, if we're not walking uprightly. Now, there are two things that have to be considered when we talk about this. Number one, we have to consider the fact that God can withhold if He desires. Now, think about it. I'm not trying to get sacrilegious here. Hang on with me just a second. God is God. I can't tell God what He will and can't do. He has the authority and he has the ability to withhold the good if he so desires. But the blessing of this for all of us who are walking uprightly, the blessing is that God has placed himself in a position through his own words to say, yet I will not do that. I will not withhold any good thing from you. I will not withhold that which is best for you in your life, both here and preparing you for the life which is to come. I will not withhold that. Consideration number one. Consideration number two is that what is good for us, that which is good, that God will not withhold, is not always necessarily what we consider to be good. Now, that's got to sink in a little bit. Because there are times in my life when I've gone through heartaches and sorrow that I didn't necessarily consider that to be such a good thing. And yet God who created me, who knows me better than anyone, who knows me so intimately that He knows everything that is best for my life, Determined that even though I wouldn't like it, even though I wouldn't necessarily appreciate it, even though it would leave tears on my pillow and hurt in my heart, God knew that it was best for me and therefore God would not withhold that which was best for me just because it would bring a little pain into my life. Doesn't mean I fully understand it. And again, it doesn't mean that I fully appreciate it. 
But what I do know is that God has promised every good thing. The third question then jumps in here. And I think this is a reasonable question. I don't think it's going out on a limb or asking too much to ask the question, well, what's involved in the good things promised? What's involved in the good thing that is promised by Almighty God? And he gives us the answer when he says he will give grace and glory. He will give grace and glory. Now grace in this life means the favor of God. In this particular verse when he uses the word grace he's talking about the favor of God. He's saying God will give to us his favor for what we need in this life. And the glory means honor, so that when we leave this life and we step into eternal life, we will enter into that which we have not earned, that which we cannot afford, that which we cannot even comprehend, the honor of being a child of God. That which we possessed in this life, but haven't fully understood. God is going to open it up. This experience of understanding now the total honor of being His child. The total honor of receiving eternal life. The total honor of being forgiven of our sin. This will become reality In our minds. We will fully understand what it means to be the child of God. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. God has given us the right to be called His children. Wow. And so God will bestow upon us grace and honor, favor and honor, grace and glory. These two go hand in hand. Grace will always precede glory. Grace will be given in this life and then we will be partakers of glory in the life that is to come. This then brings us to the fourth question. And the fourth question, I think, is probably the most important of all of them. Because if we answer this question incorrectly, then we miss out on everything. Let me change the way I said that. If the answer to this question is not what it needs to be, then we miss out on everything. So what is the question? Well... It is, who is the he that's promising this? Who is the he that's making this promise to us? You know, that's really important, right? Because there are a lot of people who can make such a promise to us and yet never be able to carry it out. I could make a promise to you and say, I'm going to deliver every good thing to you every time in every way. And you would say, well, thank you, but you really don't have the ability to accomplish that. It's true, isn't it? I would have good intentions, I promise you. I would have good intentions. But my ability to carry out my thoughts 
are just not there. But since the answer found in this passage is the Lord, it is the Lord who will give glory and honor, glory, uh, grace and glory. He will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Since it is the Lord, He not only has the ability to make the claim, but He has the ability to carry it out. He has the ability to do both. That is vitally important. Vitally important. I looked up the definition to the word Lord online. And just in general, the word Lord means one who, who has authority, control, and power over another. One who has authority, control, and power over another. And I thought, okay, now that's a good definition for the word, but it's not adequate when it comes to what Jesus Christ is. What it, when it comes to what the Lord is. Because the definition really needs to read, when it's a, being applicable to the Lord, it really needs to be the one who has the ultimate authority, the ultimate control, and the ultimate power over others. In fact, it really ought to say over all. He has the ultimate authority, the ultimate control, and the ultimate power over everyone. So then, he is the one who has the ability to make the claim. He has the ability to carry out the claim. And we know because His Word is always faithful, His Word is always true, that what He has promised, He will always carry out. So then for those who walk uprightly, we have the incredible promise of the grace and glory and that no good thing will be withheld. One more question. One more question to throw out for you. Number five is what are some of His credentials? Okay, if we're saying that He is the Lord, and we've talked about some of the credentials already, and we're saying that He has the authority and the ability, then does this verse speak specifically to some of the credentials that would say, okay, here's additional proof if you need it, that He is, in fact, the one who can do what He says? I think that's important. Now, for a lot of us, we've already experienced this personally. We've experienced this through our own lives. We, we've seen the working of God to an extent that we have credentials through life experience. And therefore, we really don't need someone to tell us additional things. But I imagine that there are a lot of people either here or watching online or that we'll talk to in the coming week that maybe they, they haven't had that same experience. And as a result, they could use the additional credentials. They could use the additional information to gain an understanding that what God says is absolutely dependable. And so what is it that he gives us as credentials for his ability? He tells us, the first of the verse, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God is a sun and shield. Okay, a sun and a shield. Now you think about how vitally important these things are. They seem almost as if it's just an afterthought. That's not really that big of a deal, but when you get down to what he's telling us, we come to understand that this is in fact a huge deal. Because he says he is a sun. Now you think about... 
what that means. For those who are outside the family of God, the Bible says that they walk in spiritual darkness. They're like the blind wandering around trying to find their way spiritually. But for those who are part of the family of God, we have God illuminating our path, guiding us in the paths of righteousness. We have Him lighting our lives. And just as the sun is to our earth, it gives life, it gives light. You take away the sun, things begin to die. So is God to our spiritual life. He gives light and He gives life. He is a sun to our lives. He is the one that directs our paths through His Holy Spirit. He is the one that guides us and leads us into what we're talking about here, into what is so important that we have the ability through the Spirit of God to walk uprightly. And without that ability, without that uh, Holy Spirit of God working in our lives to bring that to pass, then all of a sudden we've got real issues, right? Because we can't accomplish uh, that on our own, therefore we miss out on the blessings of God. But if we have the light of God illuminating our path through the Spirit of God in our lives, then all of a sudden we are able to walk through submission to God. We're able to walk in a way that is pleasing to God, a way that is rightly done. Then he says he's a shield. For those who are outside the family of God, one is wandering around without... Spiritual protection. They're vulnerable to spiritual wickedness. Uh, we, we really don't have a lot of time to go into what all that could entail. But that's pretty scary. But for the person who is in the family of God, the Bible says that the one who is undefeatable. You think about what that means. The one who is undefeatable, who has never lost the battle, even fought with death and won. The one who is undefeatable stands as our shield. So the one that is undefeatable is standing, guarding us, protecting us to bring every good thing into our lives. That's the one who is working on our behalf. That's the one who is the protector over our lives. And the passage tells us very clearly the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. What an incredible promise for those who are walking according to the will of God. So then what do we do with this information? Okay, I think that there's three things that ought to be brought into the discussion. Number one, for those of us who are walking uprightly, that we come to an understanding of what God has blessed us with. That He is the light, the sun, the shield that protects us, the light that gives life. That we understand, we, we become even more appreciative of who God is to us, of what He's doing on our behalf. Of the good that he's bringing into our lives. We become even more appreciative of how God is at work in our lives. To deliver every good thing into our lives. For those, number two, who maybe are part of the family of God. And yet you've 
drawn away from the will of God. You've, you've just moved away from what God wants for your life. I, I hope that what you get from this message is that you begin to see what you're missing. That God will allow discipline into our lives to bring us back to His will. Because He also sees what we're missing. Just like any good parent, God disciplines His children. And God disciplines, just like any good parent, for the blessing of restoring the child, of putting the child into what is best for the child. I've used this, this illustration over and over, but it's my favorite one. If, if my grandson, let's just use my grandson for an example. I like talking about that little booger. So let's just use him this morning. Okay, he's, he's eight months old and he's not walking just yet, but he's getting really close. And so when, when he begins walking, let's say that we're outside one day and uh, he decides he wants to go out and play in the street. And uh, Cameron, our daughter, is out there with him and she says, No, Colton, you can't go out in the street. It's dangerous. You come back over here. But Colton, which he would never do this, never. But Colton is just insistent that he's going to go out into the street and play. Now what is Cameron, as a good parent, going to do? She wants to do something that curbs his appetite for the street. She wants to do something that lets him know, you know what, it's better out here than it is in the street. It's better in the yard because it doesn't hurt the seat of my britches near as much. And why would she do that? Because she likes giving him a whipping? She better not like that. She would do that because it is absolutely what's best for that child. Absolutely what's best for him is that she spank him or discipline him in some way that keeps him from going into a place that's dangerous. And God does the same thing with us. God allows things into our life that's intended to draw us back to his will. Not because he's just sitting there saying, I hope you mess up so I can do something mean to you. He could if he wanted to. That's not the way God operates, is it? But instead, he's sitting there saying, oh, don't go there. Look how dangerous that is. And he begins to nudge us back. He nudges us back through times like this. Someone's teaching or through someone at work that's saying, you know what? That's kind of a dangerous place to be going. And if that doesn't work, then he moves to the next arena to where he says, okay, then I'm going to allow something into your life that's a little bit hard to where you're going to find out how badly you need me. And that's going to take you away from that which is dangerous. It's going to bring you right back into the center of my will where you can once again experience the blessings. I can imagine that David... When he was running from God, you know, he had committed adultery, committed murder, and now he's trying to hide and cover his sin. I can imagine that in his mind, he thought he was absolutely in the very best place possible right then. But when he finally was confronted, he finally was out from under that burden, 
He recognized, no, this is not a happy place to be. This is not where I want to stay. This is not what's best for my life. I'm missing out on so much by being over here. And I want to get back to the center of God's will. God, would you restore the joy of my salvation? Would you get me back to where I'm walking uprightly? To where once again I can enjoy your blessings on my life. And so these that are in the second category. I hope what you would get from this message. From this study today. Is that you would say you know what. I've strayed away too long. It's costing me too much. I want to be back in God's will. And today you're just going to cry out to God. Say God I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then for the third category of people, those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Man, what I hope you get from this study today is that you come to an understanding of your need of a Savior. That you want to be involved in a, the family of God. You want to be part of the family of God. You want to have God directing your life and Giving you grace for this life and honor for the life that is to come. And today, that you will yield yourself to Him. And come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, well, what, what does that look like? I don't really know anything about it. It's just a simple matter of me understanding how desperately I need a Savior. And therefore, I, I need a Savior because of the rebellion in my life against God. I've broken His commandments. And, and because of that, I can't go to eternal life on my own. And so I'm going to surrender myself to God. I'm going to confess that I am a sinner. That's what the Bible calls the rebellion, breaking God's commandments. I'm going to confess that I am a sinner. And I'm going to... Confess Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. The Bible says that if we will confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart or in our thoughts that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. We'll be saved. We'll be forgiven. We will not face condemnation or the wrath of God because Jesus Christ stood in between the wrath of God and us and took the full wrath of God for our sin, for our rebellion, so that we might be completely forgiven. And so my prayer is that today what you do with this information is that you give your life to Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I don't really know how to do that. Then let me invite you to do something. If you just need to come and say, God, I'm sorry. Restore the joy of my salvation. You come and find a place. If you need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, my invitation to you is to come and meet me here at the front. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. The musicians are going to come. Jason's going to come. And he's going to sing a song of invitation that gives you an opportunity to respond to what God has spoken to you about today. 
And so if God is working in your heart, you feel God in kind of a tug-of-war match in your heart right now, then I'm inviting you just to yield yourself to Him and come and allow us to share God's news with you about salvation. Would you do that? Thank you.